Are you living in peace today? Are you living in peace? Is your life marked by peace today? Are you calm? Are you peace-filled, even joyful in the course of your days? As you're going through the, the course of your days, the course of your week, are you filled with peace? Are you living in peace? Did you know our natural bodies have two built-in responses to the absence of peace? Our natural bodies, when faced with conflict, with trouble, or the absence of peace, they have two natural responses. It's called the fight-or-flight response. I want us to think about that for a second this morning. Think about how we respond in the absence of peace. Now, one way that we learn is to fight. Uh, it is to get mean, to get aggressive, to be loud, to draw people into groups, to be divisive. That is one of the one of the responses that is natural to us in the absence of peace. Now the other response is to get away, to withdraw, to shut down, or to take flight. Maybe we put blinders on where we're not able to see the situation, the circumstance any longer. Friends, have you noticed that is our world today? Doesn't that sound just like our world today? Half of the world's trying to escape. They're trying to get numb to the trouble at hand. They're trying to, to hide maybe in some false idea of a remedy. And the other half, they're angry. They're vile. They're cutting up each other. Both of those are responses to the absence of peace. That's the world we live in today. Friends, it is abundantly clear our world needs peace. Our world needs peace. Well, today we're going to conclude our seven-week sermon series, Rest in Peace, A Practical Plan for Peace. And our goal is to end and to be able to say, praise the Lord, I have Peace, And that's, that's my goal, that's my prayer, is that we will be able to end this sermon series and be able to say, in spite of what is happening in the world around us, in spite of the things that I am facing, that I have peace in my life. And my prayer is that this, this wasn't just a bunch of information that we took in, that we stacked together, but that we would actually live in the expression and the enjoyment of peace. That you'd be able to say, I have peace in my life. Again, our anchor verse for the series has been in John chapter 14, verse 27. Again, we're going to draw in some other verses. We're going to look at some other scriptures today. But our anchor verse for the entire series has been John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is speaking. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Jesus is speaking. Here's what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. I want to read that again. Listen to the words of our Savior this morning. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Jeremy, Father, we come today. We're thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus. We're thankful for the peace that we have available in Jesus. We're thankful for the forgiveness of our sin secured in the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Or we're thankful for a Savior that reigns as king today. And so we praise you. We worship you, Lord. I pray as we have gathered now that, that you would speak through your word as we conclude this, this series of sermons that we have grown, that we have, we've been drawn closer to you and now that it was so together and we would be able to say, I, in the person of Jesus, have peace. And it would fill our lives. It would mark our homes. Lord, we come and I pray for some that are going to hear this message, maybe, Lord, in this room or some other means. I pray that if they do not know you, that the greatest thing that could happen is that they would turn to you in this hour. And so, Lord, I pray that you would enable that, that you would enable and empower my words today. Lord, that you'd remove any hindrance to hearing today. And I pray, Lord, that the fruit of today may be salvation for your namesake, for your glory. Lord, we come and just ask that you would truly meet with us in this hour. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So far in our series, we have talked about practical steps for experiencing the peace that Jesus gives us, a practical plan for practical steps to experience the peace that we have available in Jesus Christ. Now, remember when we started, the, the, the verse in our verse, the word for peace, the Greek word, means wholeness. It means harmony. It literally translates tied together. And so in Jesus, he gives us the ability not to come undone, not to come or be unraveled, but to keep it together, to be tied together. And that is the word that is used here for peace. Also remember, in the verse, we see that Jesus gives us as believers that peace. He says, my peace I give to you. It's not like the world's, but Jesus gives believers that peace. Now we found in the premise to the whole sermon series is, therefore we ought to have it. Therefore we ought to possess it. It ought to be a hallmark of a follower of Christ that we're not coming unraveled all the time, that we are solid in our faith, in our peace, anchored in our trust in Jesus Christ. We ought to live in the peace of Jesus. I'm going to start this morning with a review of our steps the steps we've moved through to the point that we're at today. And I, I'm going to go step by step through them. The first is this. To enjoy peace, number one, you have to know the Prince of Peace. To have peace, you have to know the Prince of Peace. The truth is, there is no peace outside of Jesus Christ. I don't care what the world promises. I don't care what it looks like out there. There is no peace outside of Jesus. Peace is only found in and through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, understand, I'm talking about a saving knowledge, a saving faith placed in Jesus as our Savior, as the remedy for our sin. A lot of times we talk about Jesus, and we hold up the name of Jesus, but we do not explain the hope that we have in Jesus is as our Savior, the remedy for sin. Be sure and understand today, in your sin, 
We are guilty. You are guilty before God. In your sin, you're estranged from God. The Bible says you are actually an enemy of God. We will not find peace separated from God in our sin. However, the good news of the gospel is through Jesus, through his work at Calvary, the cross, and by putting our faith in him, we are able to have peace with God. I'm going to go ahead and lay it out. Sometimes we think as Baptists we've got to do our service in order. Let me just go ahead and lay this out. Some of y'all need to settle that right now. Some of y'all listening in this room, some listening by some other means, you're looking for peace and your life is marked in the absence of peace. And the honest fact of the matter is you have no peace because you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior. Listen, right now you can trust Jesus. Do you know that? Right now you can turn to Jesus and you can say, Lord, I have sinned and I'm responsible for my sin and in my sin I've earned a punishment and I need a Savior. I have no hope outside of a Savior. And right now you can trust Jesus and he'll save you. Do you know that? Right now you can trust Jesus. He'll forgive you. He'll restore you. He'll redeem you. He'll renew you. And right now you can be saved. Some of us need to do that right now. Turn to Jesus. Trust Jesus. He'll save you right now. First thing, to have peace, you have to know the Prince of Peace. The second thing, to have peace, you have to actually walk with the giver of peace. Jesus says, I give peace. And so this is talking about walking with Jesus. Very simply, it's talking about having a Christ-centered life. Living in obedience to Christ, living in honor of Christ. Years ago, <laughs> I thought it was kind of goofy when it happened, but it was really kind of smart looking back. Years ago, somebody made a bunch of bracelets that said WWJD. You remember that? What would Jesus do? And you're supposed to put these bracelets on, and it was supposed to remind you to, to, to think, what would Jesus do? Well, I want to tell you, that's a good idea. This is built upon that. What would Jesus do? Here's a better question. What would Jesus have me to do? Where would I take Jesus in the course of my life? What would honor Jesus in my life? What would bring dishonor to Jesus in my life? A life centered in Jesus, grounded in Jesus, seeking to honor Jesus, is where you will find peace. Do you know that when you walk with Christ in obedience, when you're led by his word, you will find peace in your life. Now, all the way through our sermon series, there's a question that kept popping up. And that question is, well, do you want peace enough to do something about it? You see, we all like to say, I'd like to have peace, but have you had enough of the chaos? Have you had enough of the trouble? Have you had enough of the drama to say, you know what? I want to have peace in my life to the extent that I'm willing to do something about it. You know what? You're going to have to walk with Christ if you're going to find peace. You're going to have to walk in obedience to Christ. You're going to have to seek in your speech and your language and your responses in your business, in your home, in your relationships to honor Jesus Christ. There's peace in that. Third thing is this. Third thing is this. To have peace, you have to shut out what is opposed to peace. Now, this builds on number two. It's a continuation of number two, really. To have peace, you have to shut out in your life what is opposed 
to peace. Anything that is in opposition to the peace of Christ, cut it out. Anything that is in opposition to the peace of Christ, flee from it. Get away from it. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's what you're listening to, what you're watching. Maybe a movie that you would go to. Maybe it's some other influence in your life. Whatever is in opposition to Jesus, cut it out of your life. You cannot take in and you cannot consume what is in conflict with Christ and expect to find peace. Now, that's the lie of our world. You know, when I've put my faith in Jesus and I've got eternity nailed down, I've got it secure, and now I'll just go back out in the world and maybe I'll have a little bit of this. Maybe I'll indulge myself with a little bit of that. And we begin to take in the things of the world, things that are incongruent with the truth of Jesus, and it is as poison. Now, I don't know what's wrong with this, but some of us think, I'm tough enough to take a little poison. You know what? I'll take a little poison, it might make me tougher. You know what, I can can stand a little poison. Poison makes you sick. Poison kills. We have to shut out what is opposed to peace. I almost went into a whole sermon right there. Again, here's the question. Do you want peace enough to do something about it? Do you want peace? Are you sick and tired of the alternative to the point that you would do something about it? We have to shut out what is in opposition to peace. Fourth thing is this, and it may have been an unexpected thing. The fourth thing is this, and I'm convinced of it, to have peace in our life, to have peace as believers today in the world that we're living in, the fourth thing, we have to take back Sunday. We have to take back the Lord's Day. Some say, well, that's what a Baptist preacher is going to say. Listen, the Lord's Day is a day to set the priority for the coming week. Sunday's not the last day of the week, it's the first day of the week. The, coming, the, the Lord's Day is the day to set the pattern for the coming week. What's going to be important this week? What are we going to do this week? The, the Lord's Day is the day to set the pattern for the coming week, and that is worship. That is the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Listen, the Lord's Day is not a day to catch up. It's not a day to get ahead. It's not a day to, to go out and chase the things of the world. The pattern of the early church, it says, and on the first day of the week, the pattern of the church was this was their day set aside, listen, together as the church, to corporately come together as the church. The Bible says, do not forsake the coming together, the gathering of the church, as is the practice of some. It is the day that we set aside to come together as believers and to set our eyes upon Jesus, setting the pattern and the priority for the coming week in the worship of Jesus. In that, you'll find peace. Did you know the world tries to murk that up? Maybe you should rest. Maybe you should have a little fun. The week's been hard. Have a little fun. Maybe you should do some things that you need to do. Maybe you have a list you want to check off. Let me ask you a question today, and you can answer. How many people in our world start Monday, they start dreading it on Sunday night, but they start Monday and they're tired? And they start Monday and they're all stressed out. And they go into Monday and they're anxious 
and their attention has been somewhere else on Sunday. It wasn't in the, the, the corporate worship of Jesus. And now they're stressed out. They're worried. They're tired. Listen, if you're going to have peace in your life, according to the directing of the New Testament, we have to take back the Lord's day. We have to say this is the day that we will come together and we will set the priority and the pattern for the coming week. Take back the Lord's day. Fifth is this. To have peace, you have to take it to the top. To have peace, you have to take it to the top. Now, this is talking about prayer. In prayer, we are talking to the God who sees, the God who cares, the God who knows, and most importantly, the God who saves. That's who we're talking to in prayer. I want to tell you, there is no hope into talking to all the wrong people. That's what we like to do. There's no hope in that. There's no remedy or answer in that. Our hope is in talking to the God that sees, that knows, that cares, and the God who saves. We forfeit much when we are not quick and we are not constant in prayer. We take it to the top. There is peace in prayer. That brings us to the sixth thing. The sixth thing is this. To have peace to experience and enjoy peace, you have to be an agent of peace. You have to be an agent of peace. Now, we saw there's actually two sides of that. The first side is you have to, listen, I'm talking about you. You have to be a person that would facilitate peace with other people. We went through a whole week on that. We went through a whole sermon on that, a bunch of steps of things that you have to do in order to have peace with other people. And here's what the Bible says, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Listen, that means some of us are going to have to get over it. Some of us are going to have to, to, to go ahead and swallow our pride. Some of us are going to have to endure things we don't want to endure. But I'm going to do what the Bible says, and as far as it depends on me, I'm going to be at peace with all people. Listen, your job is to be an agent of peace. You know what? I'll set it down. You know what? I'll go another mile. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take it upon myself. But you know what? I'm going to have peace in my relationships. And then last week we saw the other side of that. To be an agent of peace, we are to proclaim the spiritual peace that is found in Jesus. Now, I talked about it. A lot of times our lack of physical peace in our relationships is a symptom or a sign of a lack of spiritual peace in our relationship with Jesus. Well, part of being an agent of peace is we have to proclaim the spiritual peace that we find in Jesus. Very simply, listen to me. You are to lead people to Jesus. Well, hey, I, I, I sell things. I'm in insurance. I'm a farmer. I'm a mechanic. I'm a carpenter. Listen, you are to lead people to Jesus. That is your mission. God has given it to you. That is your purpose. And there is joy and peace in fulfilling it and carrying it out. You are to lead people to Jesus. I'd like to preach another sermon right there. I'm not. Maybe next week, Father's Day. And that brings us to the last thing. That brings us to today, the last message. 
Jesus has come as the Prince of Peace. He has given us peace, not as the world gives. He's given us his own peace. As believers, listen, we have his peace. The last step is this. So now, rest in peace. So now, rest in peace. As we finish today, it is going to be a reminder to us. We can, and we are able, and we should rest in the peace of Jesus. Listen to me. We should, we can, we are able, as a believer in Jesus Christ, to bask in the peace of Jesus, to not exist in conflict, to not get pulled into all that nonsense. We are able to stand in a messed up and failing world filled with the very peace of Jesus. Some of us, and maybe many of us, are not enjoying his peace at the present time. For some reason, you're not settled in peace right now. And maybe you're sitting there and you're running through the reasons in your brain. And you're saying, well, yeah, but I've got this and I've got that. And we, we had to deal with that. And if you had to deal with that, some of us today, your hearts are troubled and they're anxious. Well, today I want to remind you, and this is how we're going to end this sermon. This is how we're going to end this series. I want to remind you today to rest in peace. Now, I'm going to go to a set of verses written by Paul to the church at Philippi. Paul, at this point, has given his life to the cause of Jesus Christ. He's heard the good news of a risen Savior. He said, I'm all in, and brother, he is all in. He has given his life to the cause of Jesus Christ. We've been studying in the book of Acts. He has proclaimed Christ. He's proclaimed it to the Gentile. He's proclaimed it to the Jew. He has preached the gospel of a risen Savior, Jesus. He has made known the peace found in Jesus. But here's the deal. It's been hard. We read this account, and I, I used to read over it, and I used to say, wow, listen to that. Wow, look at that. I read it now, and I have different eyes. I read these accounts, and I say, here's a man that has suffered much. Here's a man that's been beaten. He was stoned. He was left for dead. Here's a man that's been hauled to jail on numerous occasions. Here's a man worse than that. Those that he thought that he could trust, those that he thought were his friends, they have abandoned him. They have deserted him. And it has been hard, and he is hurt. Let me tell you something this morning. Peace doesn't mean no problems. Do you know that? Peace doesn't mean no suffering. Peace doesn't mean no heartache in your life. Doesn't mean that life is hard. Paul's life was hard. Listen, is your, is your life hard right now? Paul's life was hard. And into that, he writes these verses. And they are to be a reminder to us. Today, we're going to look at them. And we could break them apart. We could look at different things. But today, we're going to read them. We're going to look at them. We're going to think about them. And they are going to serve as a reminder to us today. Here's your reminder, a reminder to us. Into that context, Paul says this. Philippians chapter 1, beginning of verse 21. I'm going to read to the 26th verse. Listen to this. For to me. Paul says, here it is. Here, here's my decision. 
Here's my conclusion. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, that will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Now I want you to think about that, and I want you to listen to what Paul has said. Paul, in the midst of heartache, Paul, in the midst of hard times, he says, for to me to live is Christ. If I live, it is to carry the name of Christ. If I live, it is to seek the honor of Christ. If I live, if I have another day, if I breathe again, it is to preach and to proclaim the good news of Christ. If I live, it is to walk with Christ. For to me to live is Christ. That is the reality of the believer. Listen, how awesome is that? If you live, we're going to walk with Jesus. We're going to uphold the name of Jesus. It is for his glory. To live is Christ. But, he says, to die, to die is gain. Now that word for gain, I went and looked it up. That word for gain it translates an addition, a benefit, an add-on, a plus. And so if you have something, you add something to it. Do you hear what Paul's saying here? Life is hard, the struggle is tough, but he's not found anxious, he's not found worrying, he is found at peace. And in the midst of that, he says, to live is Christ, and we're going to serve Christ, and we're going to seek to exalt Christ, but to die is even better than that. Either way, it's going to be all right. It is a gain, even if I die. Listen, he is at peace. That is peace. Be sure today, there are people that are scared to live. And they're struggling with the things of life. And, and it may be overwhelming them at this point, but they're struggling with the things of life and they're worried and they're depressed and they're anxious and they're troubled and they're stressed. And they're afraid to live. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know if the money's going to hold out. I don't know if the job's going to hold out. I don't know about my relationships. They may fail. I don't know what the future's going to hold. It looks so bad. I don't know about gas prices. And they are fearful to live. They are scared to live. Let me tell you something else. And there are many more that are scared to die. And I'll just tell you, they're absolutely terrified at the thought of dying. And the result of both of those things is they are living in the absence of peace. There's no peace in their life. There's no rest in their life. They can find no rest, and they're tired, and they're fearful, and they strike out in anger, and they have no peace in their life. Wasn't this made clear the last couple of years? <laughs> Some won't like this, but I'm going to just give you an example, the pandemic. 
Wasn't this made clear? And listen, for sure, it was real. I, I preached funerals of folks. It was hard. But here this thing hits, and there's some folks, and they're scared to live. And I don't know if I can live anymore. And I, there was folks that were so isolated that they actually took their own life in fear of a pandemic. There were others, they were scared to die. They were sick to death over the idea, the prospect that they might die. And they were consumed in that fear. There were folks that took their own life. Can you imagine how absurd that is in, in order to not go through the death of a sickness? And that was revealed to us. Listen to me. Hear me. Lean in. That's not us as believers. And I want to tell you, whatever the issue is, if it's not that issue, it's going to be a different issue. Whatever the circumstance is, listen to me. I want you to hear me. Listen to me. We are safe in Jesus. Oh, listen to me, friend. We are safe in Jesus. You can breathe that in. You can rest in that. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Listen to the truth of the gospel received in faith is we are safe in Jesus. Brother and sister, you are safe in Jesus. So maybe we need a reminder. I'm going to give it to you. Wish I were 10 years younger right now. Let me tell you that. I'm going to give you a reminder today. As a believer in Christ, listen, you may die. If you live long enough, you will die. Jesus hasn't come back, we'll all die. If you die in Christ, let me give you a reminder. If you die, your death will not be unnoticed. Your death will not be unnoticed. Psalm 116 says, it is precious in the sight of the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. Psalm 116. That word, if you look it up, means treasured. It is treasured. It's not wasted. It is treasured. You'll not go unnoticed in death. It is treasured by the living God. Let me give you another reminder. If you die, you've not been defeated. Listen to me, brother, sister. If you die, you've not suffered a loss. In fact, the Bible says you have won. Listen to me, be very clear. Death has no victory in a believer. Did you hear what I said? Death has no victory in a believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Oh, death, where is your victory? There used to be a cheer when I was a kid a long time ago. The cheerleaders would say, victory is sweet, unlike the agony of defeat. I won't do the movements with it. You know what we ought to have? Instead of pallbearers, we ought to have cheerleaders. At our funerals, we ought to have cheerleaders carry us out. Victory is sweet, not like the agony of defeat. Oh, death, where is your victory? You have not suffered a loss in death. That's what the Bible says. If you die, let me tell you something else. Let me remind you something else. If you die, listen to this good news. The perishable is put off. 1 Corinthians 15 says that. That which is perishing, which is perishable, praise the Lord, is put off. This failing 
sin-corrupted flesh is put off. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more cancer. There's going to be no more doctor's appointments. There will be no more rest homes. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more death. That is over for us because the perishable is put off in death. That's what the Bible says. Here's a reminder. If you die, listen to this. I want you to picture this. If you die... Your faith, your faith that has saved you, your faith that has sustained you, when you die, if you die, your faith will be traded for sight. I want you to think about that. When you die, your hopes will be realized. When you die, your expectations will be exceeded. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered in the heart of a man the things which God has prepared. When you die, I don't care what your expectations are. Your expectations will be exceeded. When you die, when you die your faith will end in sight. Praise the Lord. And all of that because if you die, are you listening? <laughs> Are you sure you're listening? All of that, because when you die, if you die, in that instant, in the grace of God and the power of our Savior, you will be with Jesus. Do you know that's the truth of a believer? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Listen to me. If you die, you will be with Jesus. You will look upon his face, the one that saved you by his grace. You will be with Jesus. Now, I don't know what you're hoping. I don't know what you're expecting. But what can be better than that? We will be with Jesus in the moment of death. What have I to fear? What have I to dread? Leaning on the everlasting arms, we'll be in the presence of Jesus. Now you hear all that, and you might say, why do the dead people get to have all the fun? <laughs> why do the dead people get all the good stuff? You need a reminder too. Buckle your seatbelt. And if you live, and if you live, you listening? And if you live, you have a God that will never leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. And if you live, you have a God that will provide all of your needs. You'll not do without. You have a God that will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. Philippians 4, verse 19. If you live, listen to me, you have a God that is aware if a sparrow falls, Matthew 10, 29. You have a God that knows the number of hairs on your head, even if they are declining, Luke chapter 12, verse 7. You have a God that is Elroy, the God who sees, Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. More than that, listen to me, if you live, you have the God that saves, his name is Jesus. If you live, and the world is tough, and the world is hard, you have a God take hope who has overcome the world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He says, and do not let your heart be troubled. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. If you live and worry does start to creep in, listen, sometimes it does. 
You have a God that says, cast your cares. That's what he says. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. You see, it's not so bad to live. If you live and the weight gets heavy, if you live and the, and the load gets too heavy for you, your Savior God says, listen, set that load down. Take my yoke upon you, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. If you live and you start to feel overwhelmed, Oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm overwhelmed. Listen, you have a God that is the sustainer of all things, the creator of all things, a God that nothing is too big for him, a God that nothing is too small for him. You have a God that nothing is impossible to him. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. His name is El Shaddai, my almighty. Friends, if you live, that is your God. If you live, you're not alone. If you live, God leads you through his word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you live, you have a God that indwells you, filling you with his own spirit. He said, not leaving you as an orphan. You are led by God. You are empowered by God. And listen to me. And if you live, and if you blow it all, and you mess it all up. And if you run to sin and you're stained in sin and you're standing in shame, and if you live and you live in the guilt and the regret of your sin, there's nothing you can do about it if you live and you messed it all up and there you stand in your sin. Oh, listen to me today, dear friend. Listen to me. You have a God that so loves you that he sent his only begotten son, that if you will trust in him, he will carry your shame. He will carry your sin. He will bury it in himself. He will take it to the cross, and he will pay for it there. It is finished in the cross of Calvary. And listen to me. He has defeated death. He lives today. And if you will trust him, he will save you. He will give you his very own righteousness to cover your sin, and you'll wear it like a robe. Listen to me. If you live and you sin and you mess it all up, you have a Savior in Jesus. Praise the Lord. And if you live and you're concerned about the future, you have a Savior. Listen to me very carefully. that not that far from here, not that long from right now, you have a Savior that the authority of his word says this. One day there'll be the blast of a trumpet and there'll be the voice of an archangel and he'll come from the clouds and he'll come, the Bible says, in the book of Acts just like he went up. And he will come this time with the host of heaven. He will come with the saints in glory. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, and we shall meet them in the air. The Bible says, and we will forever, listen, forever be with them. Listen to me. If you live, we have a Savior. He's coming again, and he's coming for his church, and our future is safe, and our future is secure. Jesus is coming again. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we need to remember, it's fine, it's good, it's better, it's gain to die. And we have a Savior, it is Christ to live. We have nothing 
to fear. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Listen to me. You can rest in peace today. Oh, what about the diagnosis? What about these things? We can walk out of here and rest in peace today. Praise the Lord. I want you to notice one thing here. Notice one common thing. In death and in life, our hope and our peace are in Jesus. And maybe you're listening today and you've never trusted Jesus. I want to tell you, there's no hope, there's no peace in life without Jesus. And there's no eternal life outside of Jesus. And so maybe you're here today, you're listening today, and you say, you know what? Oh, my heart can't find rest. Oh, I, I go racing around a building, and I turn a corner, and I think there's going to be relief there, and there never is. I think I'm going to achieve these things, and I, I get it all done, and there, there's never peace there. Listen, I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. God loves you, and he sees you, and he sees you in your sin. And while we were yet sinners, he sends his only begotten son. And he dies in our stead, in our place, paying our penalty. Listen, that is the good news of our gospel. It is paid for in Jesus. And the good news is today, if you'll claim him, if you'll trust him, he will give you his peace today. Trust Jesus today. Turn to Jesus today. He'll save you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we praise you, Lord. We thank you. We make such a mess of things. We make things so complicated. We hurt ourselves. We hurt each other. We hurt you in sin. And yet you are gracious and your grace is infinite. You're kind to us as sinners. While we were yet sinners, you send us a remedy. Lord, I pray that the fruit of this message is twofold. I pray, Lord, that there will be some that turn to you for the first time. Lord, I pray that your message has gone out clearly. And I pray that it continues to penetrate. And I pray for some that would turn to Jesus even right now, even in this hour. They would find peace and forgiveness and eternal life in you. And Lord, I pray for those of us that have trusted you. I pray that today has been a wake-up call reminder. We can rest in peace. Nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. We are safe in Jesus. Lord, help us to live like that. Help us to walk like that. Lord, we come and we know both of those things are secure and safe in you. So we just say, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We exalt you. Lord, this time of invitation, we give it to you. It's yours. We ask that your spirit would move, that your, your word proclaimed would bear its fruit, that you would draw. And I pray that there would be many that would turn to you, many that would be returning to the peace they have in you. Many that will exalt your name as we walk in peace. Move at this time, Lord, and I trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, it truly is the most important time of this hour, a time to respond to the truth of God's preached word. And maybe you're here and you've never trusted Jesus. We've talked about it several times. Maybe you're here and you'd say, this is the day that I settle it. And I leave here with peace grounded in Jesus. You come at this time and we'll settle it today.
Maybe you want to talk about it further. Maybe you need more information. You come. Let's settle it today. Don't leave here without it settled today. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fallen in believer's baptism. And what a great thing to say, you know what? I, I exist in peace. I want my family, my world, my neighbors to see it. And you would come and testify through baptism, not as part of your salvation, but in celebration of it. You come as well. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve him and his cause and they'll hold up his name until he comes again. Maybe today you want to come and pray with me here. Maybe you want to pray at an altar and just say, God, I'm coming back and I'm driving down the stake and I'm existing in peace. And I'm going to be an agent of peace. And I'm going to point to you, my Savior, the Prince of Peace. Maybe that's your prayer today. Maybe you're dealing with something else and you want to come pray as well. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I don't know what your response is. God does. You do. You come at this time. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, if he's speaking to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.